Welcome to Ride Every Stride, Episode 2. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride. Here I am with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Good afternoon, Van. Hey, Miss Laura. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Good. Last episode, we introduced you a little bit to the audience. We told them a little bit about you and your program and, and where you come from. What do you want to talk about in this episode? Well, Laura, I think this week we want to concentrate a little bit more on what I'm going to call the ABCs of horsemanship. And when I say ABCs, I'm talking about the absolute basic criteria. And my goal here is to simplify it so much that it just makes it very easy for you to understand and for the listeners to understand. But, you know, one of my biggest issues with horsemanship is that I think way too often people make it too complex. So today's episode, we really want to concentrate more on discussing what are the ABCs, what is the basic criteria, and see if we can't make that simple enough to where it just makes things easier for folks to understand and help them make their journey a little bit easier with their horsemanship. So really laying a foundation for things that you're going to talk about in the future, but starting with the the basics, because as you've told me many, many times. Absolutely. There's nothing beyond the basics, is there? Yes. You know, that is so true. You know, there's nothing beyond the basics. I can't think of a single maneuver that we want our horses to do, a single thing that we want to try to get them to accomplish that isn't basically rooted at the absolute basics. And if we can figure out what those basics are and then apply those basics and then learn to refine those basics, we can accomplish some pretty neat things with our horses. But you know, and Laura, with that, let's say, what is the absolute basic criteria? You know, several years ago, we was doing a, a horsemanship expo up in British Columbia, Canada. And I had a great opportunity to work with two other really phenomenal horse people. And while we were up there driving from the airport to the uh, expo center, we had an opportunity to all ride in the same vehicle. And so we had great time to talk about some really cool things. And I had an opportunity to visit with both these, both of which had been on the American Olympic team. One was a coach, the other was a competitor, the equestrian team, I should say. So since I had them trapped, I guess you could say, in the vehicle, I decided I was going to visit with them about some things that I've been thinking about, some of which, of course, was the basic criteria of horsemanship. And I just ask, you know, do you think I've got this oversimplified? Because I'm thinking there's nothing beyond the basics. I'm thinking, what else is there other than forward movement, the control of forward movement, and the stopping of forward movement? And they both looked at me, and just you could just tell they were just elated. They were like, wow, that's pretty good. I, I can't think of anything other than that. What else is there other than just those three things? Forward movement, the control of forward movement, and then ultimately stopping the forward movement. Yeah, what's so funny to me, though, Laura, is that whenever I'm working, especially with new folks that are just new to the horses, the thing they're absolutely most concerned about is the stopping of forward movement. Oh, my God. (laughs) If if something goes wrong, how do I get this sucker stopped? Don't worry about it. That's what you want. You want the forward movement. You see, you want that. The, The trick is, is getting it when you want to get it. And then once you do have it, being able to control that forward movement. And when I mean control of forward movement, that means left and right, fast or slow. But the forward movement, in most cases, and of course, we've got some gated horses out there too, but for the most part, the vast majority of the horses out there basically have three major gates. The things that we're most concerned about are a walk, a trot, and a canter. So at a walk, 
we were more concerned about that thing just going at a nice little slow, steady pace. A trot, of course, the two-beat gate going a little bit faster. And, of course, the canter a little bit faster still. So there is our forward movement. So in the beginning, if I'm asking for forward movement, if I'm doing either of those three things, walking, trotting, or, or loping, I'm happy, right? But maybe going at a trot's a little bit bumpy. Maybe going at a lope's too fast. So if that's the case, then I'd want to be able to accomplish only the walk. In doing so, then makes me sense to me then, well, if I'm going to be walking, I need to know something a little bit about the walk. What is the walk? Well, let's talk about the footfall. Forward movement, it's a walk, but it's a four-beat gait, meaning that the horse's feet are hitting the ground one, two, three, four. To be even more technical, it's left, left, right, right. Left hind, left front, right hind, right front. But I got to tell you, Laura, I've been riding horses since I was four years old. That's way too much stuff to keep up with, right? All these darn feet moving around. I can't count that fast. What, well, don't you just lean over and look down there to see? Oh, yeah, see of course, it? yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, that's what I do. Yeah, suddenly that's what a lot of folks do is they want to look down and look at the horse's feet. That's all another topic too, isn't it? About <laughs> getting out of position and making it more difficult on our horse. But most importantly about getting out of position is it jeopardizes our safety because the safest place you can be is right in the middle balanced mm-hmm. over the horse. So when you lean over to one side, you're putting yourself in more of a disadvantaged position. And, and that's something that I fuss at regularly with my students when they're taking riding lessons is sit up straight, not just because I'm trying to get them to, to sit up and ride better, but I also want them to be safe. Understand that that's the safest place to be. At the same time, it's also really good for your horse because it keeps you very centered and very balanced, which in turn makes his job easier, which hopefully will result in less resentment on his behalf of having to carry your butt around the next 30 <laughs> minutes or so, every long you're going to be riding him. Let's get back to that walk, though. That walk is a, a four-beat gait, left, left, right, right. And I tell you, again, it's too many feet moving around for me. I can't keep up with all four of those feet. But if I understand the footfall, I understand that left, left, right, right, left hind, left front, left right hind, right front. If I understand that, then at least I understand the footfall. But when it actually comes to the riding of it, I don't really worry about all four feet. I just concentrate on two feet. In this case, I'm going to concentrate on the back hind feet. And the reason why is that's where the motor is. That's where the horse has all their power. Everything is generated from the horse's hindquarter. So now I've got to figure out how do I keep up with the back feet? Well, a really cool thing about the mechanics of horses, whenever they're walking, whenever the left hind leg comes forward, their belly swings to the right. So it's almost like this little pendulum swinging back and forth, left and right, left and right. And that works in perfect conjunction with the horse's hind legs. So when the left hind leg goes forward, the belly swings to the right. When the right hind leg comes forward, the belly swings to the left. Now, what does that mean to us? When we're riding a horse, guess where our legs are? Our legs are hanging down right on that horse's belly. So we ought to be able to feel now that whenever the horse takes a stride, we can feel our legs moving back and forth. So if that's the case, that's the one part of the body then that our legs may be able to manipulate. So if our legs are hanging down properly in, in contact with our horses, and we want our horse to say walk fairly slowly, I like to look at it as if it's maybe a child swinging in a swing set. If the child wants to go really fast, we swing the the child faster. He swings higher on the other side of the pendulum. When he comes to us, we let him reach his highest peak and we push him again. And we just keep that momentum going and actually swinging longer on the pendulum, which of course makes the stride, if you will, longer and in turn faster. So that's the same thing I think about when I'm riding a horse. If I want him to speed his feet up, I just simply push his belly back and forth. Swing his belly hard to the right, left hind leg goes and reaches further to the front. When I swing his belly hard back to the left, his right hind leg swings a little bit forward. As a result of his legs moving faster, the horse travels faster. So when you say 
you're swinging the horse's belly harder to the right or to the left. How are you doing that? What do you I'm, mean by that? Yeah, my legs are resting right there. So I literally just kind of push just a little bit. So I push on the horse's rib cage and kind of encourage him to move his rib cage to the, kind of swing it to the other side. And I'm working with him. I'm never working against him. So as I feel the belly begin to move, I just simply add a little bit of momentum to it. And again, the best analogy I can think of there is just think of a child in a swing. So when the kid swings, sure, you can start pushing on him as he's coming to you, but you're going to feel a lot of resistance there. But if you let him swing all the way to the highest point and then you add momentum as he's going away from you, then he'll swing a little bit higher on the other side of the pendulum. Same thing happens with our horses. And are you talking about kicking or just pressing with your legs? Just pressing. I just okay. literally just kind of swing along, try to be as gentle as I possibly can with my legs, but, it, but yet firm enough that the horse realizes that I'm just adding a little momentum to that belly, adding a little more uh, rhythm, I guess you could say, to his stride, and in turn, increasing the length of stride. And it works, and it takes a little practice for people to feel it, but at the same time, it really does work. We use it a lot in the cattle business, and the reason why is we're riding a horse into a herd of cows. I don't want to use the reins and the bit all the time to be pulling on a horse to slow their feet down, but if I want a horse to do what I call a little creepy crawly walk, just walking into a herd of cows really, really quietly so I don't disturb the cattle, I will actually offer a little bit of resistance with both legs, handicapping the horse, if you will, from the ability to swing his legs or his belly back and forth as fast. As a result, it slows his back feet down. So he literally just kind of crawls into the herd of the cows. And then let's say I'm going to sort one of the cows out. I see a cow that I want. The cow's kind of got himself open to the point where I can expose him a little bit more and get him separated from the other herd. At that point, I want the horse to speed his feet up some. So now I just start adding a little pressure to the belly, swinging back and forth. As I increase the speed of the belly swing, his back feet will increase speed as well. Again, we're talking about the ABCs, the absolute basic criteria. Your first one is forward movement. This is all in the context of getting that forward movement. And I just want to make sure I'm understanding it right. All the way back to when the horse's hind leg moves forward, it moves the belly kind of out of the way. So the opposite direction. And if you want to speed him up, you use your leg to increase the momentum moving that direction. If you want to slow him down, you're going to kind of do the opposite and, yeah. and use your leg to give a little resistance. Swing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. And that's all in just the walk, you know, but that's understanding the mechanics of how the horse travels. Now, so we're going to understand, number one, the footfall, left, left, right, right. And then the mechanics, what happens to the horse's body as those feet are moving forward? And once we understand those things, then the next thing is, so what's my role in that? How do I manipulate that? How do I change that? How do I adjust that? So the more we know about the mechanics of what the horse is physically doing, that knowledge empowers us to be able to assist that horse in accomplishing what it is that we want him to accomplish. So you see all that just at the walk. Now, obviously, the next thing for us would be we graduate to the trot. And I get tickled at watching people ride the trot. Some people like to avoid the trot. You know, they want to go straight from the walk to the lope or to the canter. And the reason why is that they, a lot of folks tend to think that the trot is a little bit too bumpy, too bouncy. And it can be if you're not riding it properly. But let's again go back to the basics of of what the trot is. And the trot is actually a two-beat gait, meaning that the left hind leg swinging forward at the same time the right front leg is swinging forward. It's also what they call a diagonal gait because those legs are diagonal of each other and they're working together. But I like to, again, focus on the hind legs because the hind legs, again, is where the motor is. That's where all the power is. That's where all the propulsion comes from. So how can I keep up with what those back legs are doing? Yeah, I know it's a two-beat gait, but how do I know which leg is which? Where are the feet at any given moment? And the best way to feel that, I guess you could say, is as the horse is trotting, rather than bouncing up and down, if we'll sit deep enough and relax enough in the saddle properly, 
we can actually feel the horse's hips moving left and right. In other words, whenever the horse's left hind leg is on the ground, his left hip will be higher. And then when that transition takes place to the other foot, his right hind leg is on the ground, that hip will be higher. So instead of the horse bouncing forward the way it feels sometimes, what's actually happening is he's transitioning his weight from left hip to right hip. So it's left, right, left, right. We're just a rocking motion. So if we'll sit that saddle, we can actually feel that horse moving his hips left and right. So once we begin to feel that, and rather than bouncing, we begin to feel that propulsion of hips moving, just left and right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And I jokingly tell everybody, if you women really want to get your husband's attention, just ride that left, right, left, right thing. Let your hips relax on that horse's hips. Do it naked and see if your husbands don't pay attention and watch what's going on. A lot of wiggling going on up there, and they, they just might like that. I'm sorry, that sounds a little uncomfortable for the one in the saddle. I really, but. honestly, I wouldn't recommend it. But, but nonetheless, so that's, that's just the absolute basics of the trot, is understanding it. And what makes it rough to ride is when we're trying to ride that forward propulsion, that power lunging forward, as opposed to just moving and riding on the hips, riding the hips left and right, as opposed to that forward propulsion so hard. And so what comes next? Well, then what comes next, obviously, we just kind of step up to the canter. The canter is a three-beat gait, and the three-beat gait obviously happens a lot faster. Here's the thing I want people to realize about the canter. Whenever we're walking, the horse has got four legs, and it's a four-beat gait. Whenever they're trotting, the horse has four legs, but it's a two-beat gait. Okay, those are all even. But the crazy thing about a canter or a lope is it's a three-beat gait, but oh my goodness, he's got four legs. So how, what, what happened there? We're off balance all of a sudden, aren't we? Well, the reason I like to use the word canter, which is more of an English term for those listening, but uh, as opposed to using the word lope, which is a very Western term or, or cowboy term. Are they the same? Yeah, they're pretty yeah. much the same thing. Lope is actually a, a long, shortened version, I guess you could say, of a gallop. Mm. And then we changed it to gallope, but it's, 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 and then we shortened it to just lope. But the reality is, is that canter and lope is synonymous. Canter I like to use, though, because it helps people better educate themselves as to what's really taking place. Because if we look at the root word to canter, which is can't, and that's C-A-N-T, not C-A-N apostrophe T, means cannot, C-A-N-T. And a synonym for can't is angled, beveled. In other words, we've got it slightly altered to angled a little bit. So if we watch a horse either loping directly to us or loping directly away from us, he's actually going to be canted just ever so slightly. It's going to look like he's loping even though he's in a straight line. It's going to look like his hips are just not quite in line with his front legs, and hence the word cant or canter. What happens there is is that he's got his feet hitting the ground at different times. So it's a three-beat gait, which means that two of his feet are hitting the ground at the same time. In order to do that, the horse has got to have his body canted just ever so slightly. Now, why is that important for us to know other than the fact that we're loping, but yet we feel like we're crooked. That's important for us to know is because at a canter, it's up to us to inform the horse which lead, in other words, which way to cant as he lopes off or canters off. In order to do that, we have to be able to cue the horse. In other words, we have to be able to give a particular leg aid that makes it easy for the horse to discern which way we want his body angled. So let's say, for example, I'm going to be loping and I'm going to pick up a canter to the left. In order to do that, I'm going to have to move the horse's hips slightly to the left. In order to do that, I have to understand that I have to put a leg cue on in just the proper place to move that horse's hips to the left. And then as a result, he'll pick up the left lead. Not always. It's not a guarantee, but we darn sure improve our odds in making it happen. 
Just for some point of reference, and I'm sure lots of listeners already know what this means, but when you say picking up the proper lead, what does that mean by lead? Well, because it's a three-beat gate, then the feet are hitting at, at different times um, in a, in a three-beat as opposed to a two-beat such as a trot or a four-beat with the walk. A three-beat means that that horse is going to have to lead with one particular side. And what do we mean by that is that if you looked at a horse loping, say, from the side, it would look like if he was loping in the left lead, it would look like his left leg is slightly leading his right leg. So it's going to look as if he's leading, if you will. And that's both with his left front as well as his left hind. So as a result of just the fact that it looks like one leg is ahead of the other, we call okay. that a lead. Don't really know where exactly the root of that actually came from, but it's just because it looks like that left side is leading the right side, then I guess over the years they've just kind of put it in a terminology in such a way that he's in the left lead. And the reason that's so important is that with the horse is going to be more balanced later when we're loping him around. If we're going to be doing anything to the left, it's important for the horse to be in the left lead because they're more balanced to the left. It's not that we can't canter horses to the right and be in the left lead. It's what we call counter cantering. But in, in order to, for that to happen, the horse is going to be a little bit off balance in doing so. So we want our horses always to be balanced and comfortable. Makes their performance better, makes it safer, and at the same time makes them much more efficient. Okay, so man. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It, it, yeah, it really it does. does. It sounds like a lot. And I know whenever I say that to people, oh my gosh, there's just so much. And it does sound like a lot. But once we're riding, I think we owe it to ourselves and owe it to our horses to slow down and actually think about those things. And the reason why is that it's easy to sometimes just saddle a horse up and just go for a ride. But sadly, that's where a lot of the behavioral issues come from. Most of the people don't have trouble with horses on a mechanical level. It's on a behavioral level. But if we are asking our horses to do something that they physically are having trouble doing, then they're going to be resentful about that. We're not helping our horses do what we want them to do efficiently. We're actually working against our horses. So the reason I try to get people to understand those basics, those fundamentals, and understanding to the point of even how a horse walks and how a horse trots and how a horse canters, once we understand that, it makes it a little bit easier for us to ask for what it is that we actually want the horse to do. So that understanding kind of makes their job easier, which in turn makes them less resentful about doing whatever it is that we want them to do. So it's an issue of working with their basic anatomy and their way of moving. I think that's it's interesting because I think a lot of people, well, I say a lot of people, I'll talk about myself. When I, you know, first started messing around with horses as a little girl, I just, you know, go out and jump on and go right. and not really understand any of what you've just described. And so... I can see how understanding that helps us make it easier for them to do the things that we're asking them to do. You know, in the biggest issue that I had today, and I'll take you, Laura, as an example. When you started taking lessons from me many, many years ago, you were very concerned when you were in the saddle. You were a little bit worried. I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you were terrified. But when a horse moved a particular way, what's he doing? What's he doing? So the more you actually learned about the mechanics of things, the more confidence that you gained. But yet you referred to, and a lot of women referred to, oh man, when I was little, I just jumped on. I didn't yeah. care. I just wanted to feel the wind blowing in my hair. But things are different now. Women have more at stake now, don't they? I yeah. mean, women are oftentimes the breadwinners, if not at least contributing to the income of a household. Women have children to take care of. So there's more things out there that women have at stake today than we mm -hmm. did when they were little girls just running around on a horse letting the, their wind blow in their hair. So because of that, knowledge oftentimes gives us confidence. So that's why I think it's so important. If you don't understand something, let's understand the basics. What is this horse truly doing? And then with that, your confidence level over time will just continue to increase. 
Because you not only you understand what the horse is doing, you understand why he's doing it, and now you're also understanding he's doing it because you've asked him to do it, and you also understand it. The long-term benefit of that is the fact that you, with that knowledge, gain so much more confidence. And that's what I love to see in my riders. I love to see my riders not only know what they're doing, but they're confident what they're doing, therefore it frees them up to enjoy what they're doing. And isn't that what it's all about? That's the premise behind Ride Ever Stride. I want people to understand that. That it's important to know what the horse is doing. It's important to know those aspects because that knowledge gives you the confidence and that confidence frees you up to enjoy it that much more. Yeah, I mean, I can see that because you feel like you have, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel like I have control of a thousand pound horse given, you know, my size relative to the horse, but at least you have a little bit more control over the process, control over what's happening. You were talking earlier not in this episode, but when we were talking about the whole issue of ride every stride and where that came from and and the concept of people, you know, being surprised at an outcome on the horse. You were telling the story about somebody complaining about their horse rubbing them off on a tree branch or something. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, this is all part of that. That's yeah. that understanding how the horse works, how the horse thinks, how their mind works as well, and being able to work with that and, and to some extent take advantage of that. I don't know if I'd say take advantage well, of it. Yeah, we definitely I mean, want to work with it in such a way that's that, what I mean. yeah, we want to work with it in such a way that we understand that the horses really don't mind doing what we ask them to do, but man, it's our job to make it easy for them to do what we want to do. Yeah. And I refer to the ranch that sometimes I refer to, well, if I ask you to dig a ditch for me, I know you well enough to know that you'd try to dig a ditch. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it be nice if I gave you a sharp <laughs> shovel as opposed to just an old dull bladed shovel? So it's the same thing I want to do with the horses. I want to understand what my role is. And then when I do give him a task, I want to make it as easy for him as possible so that he knows that there's an end to the drudgery eventually, that he's not going to have to carry me around forever. There's going to be an end to it. So that's the teamwork aspect of it. And there again, we're going to tie that into the humanship aspect, is that if I'm going to ask for something of someone, I want to try to help them do whatever it is that they're doing for me the best way we can. Same thing with the horse. If I'm going to ask him to do something, I owe it to the guy to ask him in such a way that he can clearly understand it and then give him the proper tools so that he can do it efficiently. And And not be working against him while he's doing it. Yeah, exactly. Not be working against him while he's doing it. The result of that will end up him being more willing to do it the next time and the next time and the next time. So see, to me, all of those things fall under that absolute basic criteria. Right. And we're going to cover this a lot more in future episodes, Laura, because, I mean, obviously, we're not going to be able to wrap up Horsemanship 101 (laughs) in one episode. But, you know, you know so that's it's not that simple. <laughs> it's not that simple. But, you know, it is. It's what we do want folks to understand, though, if we understand it on a fundamental, very basic level, it just makes everything else mean so much more as we progress. And that's my goal is to make it so simple for them that it just makes it easy for them to, to continue to advance. And, you know, and I'm very proud to say that we've had some students that's worked with me in the past. It's they've done nothing more than just going off and just enjoy their horses, just doing weekend activities or whatever it is. But we've also had some that's gone to reach some very outstanding things, you know, championships at very high levels. That's what's exciting for me is taking that knowledge and taking that skill and doing whatever it is you want to with your horse. Well, I guess that's the fun of it. This is interesting. We've gone, what are we, 25 minutes, and all we've gotten is to the first one. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Only on forward movement. And yeah. so, you know, in, a, in I guess in the next episode, we'll talk about the next step, which is... Which is going to be the control of forward movement. And even that's even still going to be within the walk, trot, and the canter. Is yeah. that we want to be able to, we want folks to understand that the forward movement is just the moving forward. 
But then again, we also want to be able to control that speed, which we call transitions, transitioning from a walk to a trot and so on and so forth. But then again, unless you just plan on riding from one coast to the next, it might not be a bad idea to learn how to turn that sucker. <laughs> Let's turn him to the left and turn him to the right. So we're going to discuss that as well okay. um, in future episodes. Great. Well, and I'm, I'm always anxious to hear about the whole stopping of forward. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. That's, you're right. I'm one of those that's always my first thing. Am I going to be able to stop them? Well, lots of things to think about. So we've talked about uh, the first of the absolute basic criteria of horsemanship, and uh, we'll pick it up the next steps on the next episode. I know you want listeners to participate in the conversation here by letting us know what questions they have about this episode. If you've got questions about anything Vance talked about on this episode in terms of forward movement and, and the things that we're going to be talking about later, you can send those questions or comments or suggestions for future episodes to us at info at vanhargis.com and we'll sure respond and make sure we wrap that into the episodes we talk about in the future. In general, if you want to know more about Van or Van's program or, you know, where is Van these days, you can find that information in a couple of places, certainly at the website, which is vanhargis.com pretty easy to find. Lots of information there and we'll be adding more information as it comes along. You can find a calendar that shows where he is, info about him, products that are going to be available for sale. You can find the blog there and that's where you're going to find the show notes. So if you want to comment on this particular episode, go to the blog and look for the show notes for Ride Every Stride episode two. Be sure and find us on Facebook. Look for Van Hargis Horsemanship on Facebook, like the page, and introduce yourself because Van will respond and say hi. Finally, if you find this podcast helpful, you can subscribe in iTunes. Go there and uh, subscribe and you'll get each episode as it comes out right onto your own favorite podcatcher. But you know, I would like to end by just saying this, Laura. Until next time, remember it's your trail, it's your journey, it's your life. So ride every stride.